I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God and the salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. And good morning. We welcome you to Gospel Dynamite, a Christian broadcast dedicated to the winning of the lost and the edification of God's saints. Gospel Dynamite is a ministry of Asbury Baptist Church located at 218 Asbury Church Road, Seagrove, North Carolina. We invite you to visit our church on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. and Wednesday evenings at 7 o'clock. Now will you join me in studying the Word of God. Thank you for listening to Gospel Dynamite. Thank you for joining us. We are in John chapter 18, verses 28 through 40 is our text today. For sake of time, we are only going to read verses 37 through 40. Pilate therefore said unto him, Art thou a king then? Jesus answered, Thou sayest that I am a king. To this end was I born. And for this cause came I into the world, that I should bear witness unto the truth. Every one that is of the truth heareth my voice. Pilate saith unto him, What is truth? And when he had said this, he went out again unto the Jews and said unto them, I find in him no fault at all. But you have a custom that I should release unto you one at the Passover. Will ye therefore that I release unto you the king of the Jews? Then cried they all again, saying, Not this man, but Barabbas. Now Barabbas was a robber. The passage here records what may have been the last intimate personal conversation that Jesus had with another individual before he was crucified. And in this exchange between the Lord Jesus and the Roman governor, Pontius Pilate, we see two men with opposing agendas. Now, Pilate comes across as one who is agitated, and having even been placed in the middle of this, he sees it rather as a religious dispute between the Jews. His sarcasm, his short answers reveal his irritation. Jesus, on the other hand, uses this conversation to reveal his true identity to Pilate. Now, when asked if he is really the king of the Jews, Jesus pulls no punches, but he responds in the affirmative in verse 37. Then Jesus tells Pilate that his mission in coming to this world was that of going to the cross, dying to bear witness to the truth. At this point, Pilate asked a question born out of pure cynicism. He asked Jesus, what is truth? This is a rhetorical question. Pilate did not really want an answer, and he didn't wait around to receive one. In essence, he was telling Jesus, what is true for you may not be true for me. You say tomato, I say tomato. 
Don't talk to me about truth, for truth cannot really be known. So Pilate threw away a glorious opportunity to come to know the truth for himself. He looked truth in the face, refused to see it. He walked away, and forever he was lost in his sin. Now, I would like to take Pilate's question and ponder it for a few moments. And I believe the Bible gives us enough information about truth so that we can answer this question for ourselves. In fact, I want to take the text that I will use to examine truth from just the book of John. Of the 222 verses in the Bible that contain the word truth, 22 of them, or 10%, are found in the Gospel of John. What is truth? Well, you have to look at this book to find out. Verse 37, you have the perception of truth. Pilate's question leads me to believe that he had no grasp of the truth. Perhaps his thinking had been jaded by the empty philosophies of the day that said truth was unknowable and unattainable. Evidently, Pilate had come to believe what many in his day believed, that there is no absolute truth. We're in a place and a shape in America that everybody has their own truth. There is no absolute truth. In this nation, there are over 68% of the adults that agree that there is no such thing as absolute truth. Much worse is that 50, 52% of born-again Christians think truth is relative. That is, they believe that what is true for one person may not be true for another. To, according to another survey, over 75% of professing Christians cannot accept the idea of absolute truth. My friend, those are very sad statistics tells us that our culture has nothing in which it can believe. Now, they can believe what they will, but there is such a thing as absolute truth. Jesus stated himself in this passage that he came to bear witness to the truth. So what is truth? The word from which it's translated means that which is accurate or true in any manner under consideration. It is the opposite of that which is feigned, fictitious, or false. For instance, suppose I tell you that there's a truth called the law of gravity. The law states whatsoever, whatever goes up must come down. Now, suppose that you reject that as being just my truth. So you decide to test the theory and leap from a building. It won't take you long to learn that there is such a thing as absolute truth and that it can be known. If I say rocks are hard, water is wet, and grass is green, if you don't believe in absolute truth, then you might say no. 
To me, rocks are soft. Water is dry and grass is orange. But just because you may believe it with all your heart does not make it so. Truth is something that is always true. Abraham Lincoln once used a very clever ploy to teach some people about truth. They had come to him with a decision that was based on suppositions rather than truth. After hearing their logic, Lincoln asked, How many legs would a sheep have if you called its tail a leg? They quickly answered, Five. The president said, No. That's wrong. It would only have four legs. Calling a tail a leg doesn't make it one. Now, folks, listen to me. There is such a thing as absolute truth, and I believe in absolute truth. I believe that black is black, white is white, up is up, down is down, left is left, right is right, in is in, and out is out. I believe absolute truth can be known, learned, and taught to others. In fact, I'm holding a copy of absolute truth in my hand right now, and I'll say more about that in just a moment. But if there is truth and truth can be known, then how can we learn the truth? Well, for those of us who are saved, it is a task made easier by the presence of of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Jesus tells us three times in John's Gospel that the Spirit of God is the Spirit of truth. John 14, 17, John 15, 26, and chapter 16, verse 13. John 16, verse 13 is especially important. Where the Scripture says, Howbeit when he, the Spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth, for he shall not speak of himself. Whatsoever ye shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. Now that's, that verse tells us what the Holy Spirit is all about, and it will, he will reveal the things of God to us, thus teaching us the truth. Therefore, believers are in a far better position to learn the truth because of the spirit of truth who lives within us. The world, on the other hand, has a spirit within them which blinds them to the truth. 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 4, 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 14. Now this would account for the fact that they will consistently reject the truth and choose lies instead. We're living in a day where people actually believe that men can get pregnant, that people actually believe that they should change their physical anatomy to match how they mentally believe they, they are or how they feel they should be. Now, all of this, the fact that they reject absolute truth and they're blinded to truth and because they are, they believe lies. 
This accounts for the fact that they will consistently reject the truth and choose lies every time. This also demonstrates why they live their lives the way that they do and how they attempt to justify their sins before God and man. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. Jesus believed in absolute truth. He believed in absolute truth so strongly that he came to this world, lived and died to bear witness to that truth. Yes, there is such a thing as truth, regardless of what the culture says, regardless of what society thinks about it. And this truth can be perceived, and it can be known. Then we notice the power of truth. Verse 37 as well. Not only does Jesus tell Pilate that there is such a thing as absolute truth, he also tells him that this truth has power. Truth, when it is perceived touches the heart of God's elect and draws them to him. When they come to him and when they embrace the truth, they can and will experience his presence, his power in their lives. Notice the power contained here in absolute truth. John 8 and verse 32 teaches that truth has the power to liberate. When Jesus said this, he was telling his hearers that the truth had the power to deliver them from their bondage to sin and the law. It literally set them free in Jesus. When you come to know the truth, you come to know something that sets captives free opens blinded eyes, heals broken hearts, transforms shattered and ruined lives, and fills men and women, boys and girls, with the love of God, the peace of God, the joy of God. But then John 17 and verse 17 also teaches that truth has the power to separate. In this passage, Jesus is praying for his disciples and for us too. As he does, he asks the Father to sanctify them through thy truth. The word sanctify means to render someone or something rather holy, to dedicate or consecrate something to God. Jesus says the truth of God has the power to cleanse us and make us more like our Heavenly Father. I've heard it said this way. Sin will either keep you from this book or this book will keep you from sin. What a truth. When you yield yourself to the truth of God's Word and walk as the Spirit directs you, you will find your life becoming cleaner and more pleasing to God and closer to Him. His truth sets us apart and cleans us up. Ephesians 5, 6, John 15, verse 7. 
But then we also notice from passages such as this and John 4 and verse 24, truth has the power to invigorate. Here Jesus tells the woman in John, he tells the woman at the well that the truth will make you want to worship. You see, real worship is us acknowledging him to being our everything. Real worship arises out of a heart that has been saturated with his truth. Real worship comes when the Holy Spirit takes the truth of God and makes it clear to us. When we comprehend who he is, what he has done for us, and what he is doing, it will leave us at his feet in humble, simple worship of him. But if we do not understand the truth about who God is, what he has done, then our worship will be warped. Until we know the truth about him, we cannot truly worship him. There's nothing like the truth to put a fresh spark in your worship. But then thirdly, in verse 38, I would show you the personality of truth. So we've learned what truth is, why, is it, why it's important, and what it can do for us in our lives. Now we need to know where to find truth. Thankfully, the Holy Spirit led John to write it plainly for us. Notice where the truth can be found. The scripture is truth, John 17 and verse 17. Everything either stands or falls right here. If the Bible is the inspired, infallible, inerrant word of God as it claims, 2 Timothy 3.16, then it and it alone is the final authority and standard of living for all of life. Not the opinions of men, not the musings of great philosophers, not the teachings of great religious leaders, but the Bible is the final word in all manners of life. However, if the Bible is wrong, and cannot be believed, then our foundations are destroyed and we have no faith, we have no hope, we have no rules. If the Bible is a lie, then there is no absolute truth. Yet we have raised a generation that has been taught to doubt the truth of this book. When a child sits in a classroom and hears that this earth is billions and billions of years old and that man evolved from a single-celled organism over millions of years, the foundations have been destroyed. If God did not make man in his image, then it is not wrong to kill babies through abortion. It is not wrong to rape and murder other people because we're just animals. If man evolved, then there's no sin. 
There's no right and wrong. There are no absolutes. You might as well live like you want because there is no hell. There's no accounting to God. There's no life after this life. If the first 11 chapters of Genesis are not true, then you might as well junk the whole book. If God lied in Genesis 1 through 11, then he's not worthy to be trusted anywhere else in the book. If I can't trust him in Genesis 1 and 1, then I can't trust him in John 3.16. When we take the Ten Commandments and say that they're not relevant for today, we've undermined the foundations. When we tell society that the Bible cannot be trusted, we've undermined the foundations. When we treat the Bible like a giant buffet and choose the parts that we like and ignore the parts that bother us personally, we undermine the foundations. There is a price to pay for our haughtiness. And that price is the absence of truth in America. You see why being able to trust the Bible is so important. In its pages, we learn about God, the creation of man, Sin, salvation, good, evil, the family, etc. And if that foundation is destroyed, then there's no basis for truth. And if there's no truth, then everybody is right and nobody is wrong. But thank God, you can trust the Bible. It is the Word of God. It is inspired. It is truth without any mixture of error. And it can be believed for it's forever settled in heaven. Psalm 119 verse 89. We see also from another passage in John, John 14 verse 6, that the Savior is truth. Jesus plainly calls attention to the fact that he and he alone is the real deal. Jesus was and is the embodiment of truth. John 1.14, John 1.17. All other would-be saviors are merely pretenders. It wouldn't matter how many followers they have or how sincere their followers are. Jesus and Jesus alone is the way, the truth, the life. Jesus and Jesus alone is the Lamb of God slain from the foundation of the world. Jesus and Jesus alone is the truth. All other men are liars and all other methods are lies. And they all lead down the same broad road of destruction. They have their terminus in the fires of hell. Jesus alone is the door into the narrow way that leads to life everlasting. Our world doesn't like that truth, but it is still true regardless whether they like it or not. There is absolute truth. And we must realize that it does exist in the person of Jesus Christ.
some years ago when the Dick Cabot show was popular, the Archbishop of Canterbury was speaking with actress Jane Fonda on the talk show. The Archbishop said, Jesus is the Son of God, you know. Fonda replied, maybe he is for you, but he's not for me. To which the Archbishop profoundly answered, well, either he is or he isn't. Now, some have said that Jane Fonda has now been saved. I hope that is true. But in closing, I ask you, what is truth? It is the difference between night and day. It is the difference between in and out. It is the difference between black and white. It is the difference between saved and lost. What is truth? The Bible is truth. Jesus Christ is truth. And if you accept those as truth in your life, you will have a standard of living, a reason to live and if you do reject them as your standard, then you have no absolutes and you can do as you please. However, it does not change the fact that the Bible is still true and that Jesus is still the only way to God. So the things of God are true whether you accept them or not. We proudly say, well, I believe the Bible and that settles it. The Bible is the word of God, and I believe it, and that settles it. Well, the Bible is the word of God, whether you believe it or not, doesn't matter to the validity of the statement. The Bible is the word of God. It is truth. Whether you believe it or not, doesn't matter. What matters is whether or not you've placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ and you have come to the place of accepting Christ as your Savior and you have come to the place that you've made that decision to trust Jesus Christ. I trust you have. I trust a day is a day of salvation in case you have not.